Hello and welcome to Behind the Drive, the podcast for girls and guys who love Formula One. I'm your host, Courtney Ross, and I am here for you every week to bring you fun and educational content while hopefully making some new F1 friends along the way. So if you love all things formula, then I highly recommend you hit the follow button to join the community and get notified every time a new episode comes out. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Drive. Today's episode is a conversation with Taylor Hagler. Taylor has been racing in various categories over the last four years and has most recently won the Michelin Pilot Challenge and was voted Rookie of the Year in the World GT Challenge in America. I had the chance to sit down and talk to her about her racing experience and what's in store for her for 2022. If you would like to follow her journey or check out uh, what she's doing, I will include her social links down below. But without any further ado, let's jump into the interview. Hi, Taylor. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you going? Uh, I'm good, good. Thank you for having me. That's good. Well, I've got so much that I want to sort of get into and ask you, but first I'd really like to go back to sort of young Taylor and and understand uh, what it was like growing up in Texas and whether your family was into motorsport growing up. Yeah, I mean, uh, growing up in Texas, I think is um, kind of everything that you hear it is. I mean, it's fairly cold, super hot. Depending on where you grow up, there's not a lot to do. I grew up in the hill country, so um, there really wasn't a lot to do. I didn't have like a lot of neighbors to play with because we had like five acres between us. So um, I actually had horses growing up, so that's kind of what I did for a while. And I got into show jumping and did that. But my dad was always into motorsports since he was younger. So I used to go to races with him and watch it on the TV, and that was kind of like our thing. And then um, when I got to college, and just like slowly got out of the horse industry, I kind of moved into that because um, we had a racing certificate that we hadn't used. So I decided just to use it because it was, it was sitting there and I really enjoyed it. So we decided to do it for just fun racing and kind of took off. I love that. Um, I, I wanted to sort of ask you a little bit more about the horse riding. So I know you did that for probably the better part of 10 years doing equestrian show jumping. So yeah, tell me about those competitions and what it was like. Yeah, I mean, they were they were honestly really intense. I kind of look back on it now, which wasn't something that I thought of when I was younger. And I was like, wow, uh, it's kind of a really intense sport. Like we pay all of this money to have people like judge us. Like this is really intense. Um, but I think that helped me uh, kind of grow a lot quicker. So when I did get thrown into the, the cars and motorsports and now becoming um, a role model, I think it kind of helped me adapt to that a little bit faster um, and kind of take what was thrown at me because I was so critiqued when I was younger. So I've definitely had like a, a harder skin now, but that was something that me and my mom did together. So that was a lot of fun. And, I think I started doing that when I was maybe eight or nine years old until I think my last show that I ever did was maybe like a freshman in college. I did it for pretty much my entire life and I was gone traveling all the time. So I didn't make a lot of friends in high school and middle school, but the friends that I did have also, uh, they rode horses. So it's something that like I was able to share and like relate to with other people as well. I love that. I um, loved riding horses growing up. I never was able to do like competitions and stuff, but 
yeah, big fan of horse riding and just horses in general. They're such beautiful creatures. Yeah, it teaches you a lot in regards to like patience and hard work. I think as well, I was talking to uh, Mia Fluitt, who is a, a GT uh, racer, and she actually mentioned to me that she finds people who have ridden horses growing up are a little bit um, better with motor racing because with horse riding, you need to sort of feel the horse and you're sort of, you know, riding with it. And it's sort of similar with motor racing. So that's definitely something I never quite like made a correlation with, but yeah. It, it helps you get in tune with like feeling things in a different way rather than just seeing or hearing or just like feeling the like pressure in your arms it, it definitely definitely helps you feel things in a different way definitely so it was 2018 if I'm right um that you made the move into cars what made you sort of swap um and tell me a little bit about the the spec Miata series and how your first competition went yeah, the, the swap over wasn't something that was like kind of like big and magical. It was it was something I wanted to do when I was younger. I did want to do karting, but I chose to get into horses instead and we just couldn't really handle both at the time. So I was like, eh, I'll just watch motorsports, it's fine. And I got into the karting instead, or into the, the horses instead. Um, I never really grew up karting. I never went to any karting tracks. I went to a race here and there and really enjoyed just like being in the paddock watching the cars, seeing how people reacted to the drivers and seeing how the drivers reacted to all the people. It was something that really intrigued me. Um, so my dad bought this racing certificate for my sister and she never used it. Um, I mean, like I, I chose to use it because it was there. And um, at the time I had sold one horse because he had kind of taken me everywhere he could and someone else deserved the same thing. And the other horse that I did have that was supposed to take me a little bit further ended up getting injured. So at that point, like I was kind of just forced out of it. Um, and I got used to like not having it. And I went into college. It wasn't until like my probably like my last semester of college that I got into racing. So I was actually able to focus on like the academics and figure out like what I wanted to do outside of sports. Um, which then I went into uh, business. I have a business management degree, which I don't really use. But it did help me learn a couple of things, at least. And I, I now have a degree, so if there is a point where I don't race, I do have something to fall back on, which is always nice. That safety net's always nice. But yeah, I did the Skip Barber. I did two years of that, just um, a three-day and then a two-day. Then I actually had shoulder surgery in 2017. Um, so that's what prevented me from racing in 2017 after the two-day advanced Skip Barber. And then we did buy a Miata and start racing in 2018. And the, um, the Spec Miata series is, it's definitely kind of looked down on a little bit just because the cars aren't big and fancy and expensive and whatnot. So like definitely as, as me being me um, and being in college, I was like, oh no, I don't want to race a Miata. They're so slow. That looks so boring. But when I actually did it, it's some of the most intense and like best racing. I have ever been a part of because the cars are completely equal like there is no disparagement whatsoever the weights are the same the engines are the same it's all about driver skill and people are definitely a lot more aggressive in that series just because they can go spend a hundred dollars on a new bumper and repaint it and it's fine um so that it, it definitely taught me to like be a little bit more aware and get a little bit of the, the aggressiveness in there and learn how to do that um it was definitely pretty rewarding being out there with all of these guys that have been doing this for 
10 plus years of being able to keep up. So that was definitely the push that I needed to keep working at it. And and just for context, uh, for people who aren't really familiar with the series, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's about 70 drivers in it. Is that right? Yeah, there definitely can be. Um, the championship race that we had at the end of the year was capped out at 75, and we ended up actually having to do two qualifying sessions because I believe there was originally like 90 or 100 cars. We had to do two different qualifying sessions and only take like the top 75 and then race at that, which that was only because that was a track maximum. And I mean, like that was so intense. I think it, we ended up going like six wide at the start at turn one at Circuit of the Americas, which like is really not, it's not that wide. Um, so yeah, it, it can, it can be pretty big, but there were also a couple times just like throughout the season, depending on what location you're at. That it can be as small as 20 to 30 cars. It just depends on where you are. You you mentioned it was sort of a lot of males that you were competing against. Were there many other females competing in the series? Um, I think in Spectiata, every now and then, there would be one other female. I did do a race in Colorado, and I competed against uh, Loni Unser there. But we were still the only two. And then kind of like the Texas region down here, um, it was majority me and there would be one other female that would do like one race every now and then and that was kind of it. Wow. And then I guess by the end of the series, um, you had worked your way up to fifth um, and received Rookie of the Year, which is great. So yeah, how did it make you feel? Uh, it definitely gave me the like the push that I needed to try and like take it further and it gave me um, the confidence because they the guys had been doing it for so long. Um, but it also taught me some pretty valuable skills, I want to say, because going into a series like that with these men who have been doing it for so long, a lot of them don't really take kindly when a rookie beats them, regardless, male or female. When a rookie beats them, they kind of get a little, a little petty. Um, so that definitely gave me the hard skin that I needed to push a bit harder as well. Um, but I think by the end of the season, I had earned the respect of the majority of the drivers there, but um, I did have to work a bit harder for it. it. I mean, it made me feel really good. And um, I'm, I still talk to some of the drivers now and they support what I do now and they, I support what they do and just made a lot of good relationships from it. That's really good. And I guess from 2019 uh, up until the end of last year, you really continued that success streak across a variety of series and, you know, continued to get a number of podiums and wins. What's a, a highlight over the last couple of years for you? Is there any particular championship or win or a series that you feel very proud of? Um, I mean, I definitely would have to say that winning the championship in IMSA last year would have to be the highlight. Uh, that those were usually the races that I watched growing up was the Petit Le Mans. Those are the ones that I always went to. So being able to race in the series and now being named a champion in the series means a lot to me. Yeah, that would be so awesome. And a nice way to sort of, I guess, round out the, the last couple of years, which have been a bit of a mess from the pandemic. So. <laughs> So I guess, you know, you've been across a few different series. What is your your favorite part about racing? Is there a particular car? Is it the adrenaline that you get on lap one? Is it perfecting the skills of becoming an amazing racer? What brings you the most joy? 
Um, you know, that's a really hard one because I really, I love everything about like the IMSA paddock. Um, I love that we actually are able to engage and interact with the fans all the time. Like they're able to walk through whenever they want. It's not really solely just for the fan walk. Um, the fan walks can get a bit crazy. So that gives me a little bit of anxiety before getting right into the car, but it also makes me feel really good. But I think the one thing, and this is so random because it really doesn't have much to do with racing at all. But when I was younger and I would watch the IMSA races, like the big weather tech races, you would always see the beginning of the race where they had all of the crew and the drivers lined up for the national anthem. That was always the one thing that I was like, oh, I wish I was a part of that. So being a part of that and being able to do that before I get in the car, I think that's my favorite part of a race weekend. I guess it would make you feel like, yes, I am a part of this and it's such a good thing. And yeah, that's really nice. So um, we're filming this on International Women's Day. Uh, well, it is for me here in Oz, yeah. nearly <laughs> for you. And I love that motorsport, um, even though it's not as uh, diverse and equally split in terms of gender, what is one thing that you would tell females who have an interest in getting into motorsport? Um, I think the one thing that I would tell other females that wanted to get into motorsports, and it's going to sound so cliche, it's really just like, don't give up. Like, yes, as a female, we do have to work a bit harder to prove ourselves and to earn the respect. Um, and we do have to push our bodies a little bit harder because, I mean, scientifically, like we're just not built the same as men. Um, so we do have to work a bit harder, but I feel like that makes it even more rewarding in the end. It's a very, very rewarding sport. and You make a lot of really good friends. So it's definitely worth pushing through. And if there was like one thing, sort of a flick of the switch, type thing that you could change motorsport to make it easier and more accessible for women to get involved what would that be um i think it's something that's kind of starting to happen now that i did see nascar is just like a but a lot more like um sponsorship opportunities that that's one of the main reasons that a lot of people don't get into racing is because it is such an expensive sport and it is really really hard to get sponsorships especially before you prove what you can do um, but I know there's like a lot of instances where some women do get sponsorships, but it's not like a high level sponsorship. So they're still not really able to afford like the team that they need to actually be able to prove what they're capable of, which then prevents them from finding more sponsorships. Um, and like Bush Light just did a huge sponsorship for women in NASCAR. And I think if we definitely had something like that in sports cars, it would, it would make more women want to join. Yeah, definitely. I think um, if you can get the movement on the sponsor side and sort of encourage them to um, yeah, be sponsoring more female athletes, that would yeah. definitely be a push in the right direction and give them the chance to to really succeed in it. Because, yeah, for men, like you said, if they've come up you know, from childhood or a teenager where they've been doing it for 10 years, they've already got a bit of a track record of um, success. Yeah. Sponsors are naturally going to gravitate towards them over, you know, a female in their early 20s who is just like, yeah, I'm keen on entering motorsport. Yeah, most definitely, yeah. So what can we expect from you in 2022? What's in store for Taylor Hagler? Um, right now, the only thing that I have confirmed is running the uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge with Hyundai again for this year. Um, this year we are in the... 
We are in the Elantra um, NTCR instead of the Veloster. Um, that car has been going really well. We were second at Daytona and we uh, go to Sebring next week actually. So hopefully we'll get another podium there. But um, I have a couple other things in the works and a couple other series, but for right now, this is, this is the focus. How do you find the difference between the Velostar and the Elantra? Oh, they're, they're very different. Um, so the Elantra has such a long wheelbase that the car for me is a lot more secure in the rear end. Um, the Veloster was so much fun to drive and it was very rewarding to drive because it took a lot of work. But um, I'm not a driver that likes a lot of oversteer. I like the car to be really stable to where I can induce the rotation rather than always having to catch the car. And the Veloster was just very twitchy and nervous in the rear end and that's just how it needed to be driven to be quick. Whereas the, um, the Elantra, we work a lot more on creating rotation rather than trying to take it down because the car understeers more, which is what I'm more used to. Um, so that one, I can definitely induce the rotation and induce the oversteer rather than it just kind of happening. So um, I, I think it's a little bit faster on the uh, top ends too. Well, um, I would love to get in one. I think it would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're a lot of fun. Definitely. Well, I'm very excited to keep following your journey and see you to continue to succeed. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Taylor, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Alrighty guys, that is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Taylor as much as I did. And like I said, I will include all her social details down in the description in case you want to follow her journey. If you haven't subscribed to the channel already, I would really love it if you did. If you enjoyed the episode today, give it a thumbs up, join the Discord, and I will catch you all in the next episode. Bye.